You may remember we, we went through a whole series on the importance of giving thanks, right? And we say appreciating something in our minds or hearts and never expressing it is really ingratitude. Uh, and I think maybe for one week we practiced it. And I suspect many of us have gone right back and just thinking it but forgetting to express it. So let's remind one another that it's important to say thank you for the big things but also for the little things and just let people know you appreciate them, okay? So let me begin by saying I appreciate those of you who are here this morning. God bless you. Thank you for getting up, putting on some clothes and... Uh, you know, you may have planned to sleep an extra hour, but you didn't get to do it because you wanted to be here this morning. Thank you. Amen? All right. The Lord also said, the Bible also said, whosoever the Lord loves, he does what? So, so, so love involves saying thank you, but sometimes love also requires. So I was accused last night, brutally, by two of my elders. I'm considering whether they should continue to be elders. <laughs> They accused me of being too soft. Yeah. One of them said, I'm not a pastor. If I was a pastor, then I reminded him he's a reverend. <laughs> but listen, guys, let me, you know, I have, a, I, have a, I have two dogs. Some of you know that. One of them called Sonny. And whenever Sonny knows he's done something bad and he's about to get in trouble, he gets on his back and starts to act cute. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time, by the time you see you acting cute, you get weak. So I'm, I'm, I'm some a few people are gonna re- remain nameless. But this morning, some people have already heard what Bishop said last night, and they knew they were in trouble, so they came and acted real cute. <laughs> in order to avoid the pitching that they thought they would get. <laughs> No, but uh, uh, let, me ask, let me ask you to do something. Those of you who were here last night, please stand. You were, you were, you were. All right, let's clap for these who were here. Come on. Were. You came, you came. You came, you came. If you came, if you came last night, you're standing. Thank you. All right. God bless you. Glad you came. All right. Those of you who didn't come, they told me I need to be brutal, right? So please stand. <laughs> Y'all see them all. <laughs> Look at all of them all. <laughs> Go ahead and clap for them too. We'll be merciful. Amen. Now, you all may be seated, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay? Don't get vexed with me, but I'm going to put you on the spot. I think Alfred can handle this, so I'll go to Alfred. Alfred, could you tell me what we talked about last night? Oh, okay. So Alfred doesn't know. Uh, Dr. Elder St. Jerome, could you tell us what we talked about last night? He wasn't, he wasn't here, so he can't tell me. Yeah. Okay, who else wasn't here? Can you tell me what we talked about last night? You travel, okay. So notice a pattern. 
Everybody who was not here last night has no idea what we talked about last night. That's one of the reasons why we need to be here. We have no idea. Now, either you didn't think it was important to be here, or you just had circumstances that were beyond your control. Okay? But whether you were here, not here because you didn't think it was that important to be here last night because you're going to come today, or you had a situation that was just beyond your own control, you were not here, and because you were not here, you have no idea what we talked about. What a loss. And because you were not here, you didn't have an opportunity to give us benefit of your input, your wisdom that might have helped us make a better decision or learn some things that we would not have learned before. So I'm saying that just to drive home the point that it's extremely, extremely, extremely important that when we have these meetings, and we're not, we don't have them too often, three, four times a year, okay, that you really, really Make it a priority and only don't come because you just cannot come. Okay, we understand when you cannot, but please, it's so important for you to be here. All right? We will do a better job by giving you in advance what the next quarter, the next meeting is going to be. So I don't know, Marie, Marie, do we already have on the calendar when the next huddle is going to be? Okay, because if you do, we need to give it to them so they can put it on their calendar. Okay, well, I, I'm not looking at it, but whatever the date is for the next one, please put that on your calendar now. Could you just, I mean, everybody has it or do we need to say it? Somebody tell me what it is. Huh? June the 7th and the 8th. Please put that in your calendar right now so that hopefully you avoid uh, making another commitment that conflicts with it, okay? So please put it on your calendar because we really want you to be here. Now, here's another reason why I think some people were not here last night. Uh, and another reason why some people who are here last night are not here this morning. Okay, here's another reason. It's because I think, now I may be wrong, but this is an assumption, right? This is a hypothesis. It hasn't been proven, but I, I think it's true. I think many people, when they hear of the huddle, in their mind, they say, okay, I'll go Friday, but you know, I can't make it Saturday. Or I'll go Saturday and not Friday. You just automatically decide you're going to go to one. Either Friday or Saturday. You don't, you don't plan to be at both. And you think it's enough that you are at least at one of them. I'm a prophet, man. I'm, I'm reading your minds. Okay, so in your heart and mind, well, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Bishop's meeting, I'll go Friday. I won't be able to make it Saturday, but I'll go Friday. Or I'll go Friday, I won't be able to make it Saturday. And I'm saying, please, it's not one day, it's two days. And the two days are equally important. So for the one in June, please don't plan to be at either Friday or Saturday. Plan to be at both, okay? Because we need you 
because we value your input, and then you need to be present to hear, participate in what is happening. All right? So for every huddle, plan to be at both. On the occasion that there's an emergency situation that is just beyond your own control, you really want to be here, but you just can't, then let me know, okay? But let the attitude be, I want to be there, I need to be there, I'm trying to be there, but man, there's just no way. This has to be done, and I don't have a choice. When that is the excuse, I'm okay with that. Okay? Uh, thank you very much. I'm glad all of you are here. And since, since the people who are not here, yesterday couldn't tell us what we're talking about, but the people who were here, yes, share briefly uh, what we talked about. That's, it's a review right now to make sure we remember. Can somebody tell me what we talked about yesterday? Yes, Mike. So last night we talked about the five systems that makes a healthy church. And you asked us to grade um, ourselves from a scale of one to 10 on each of those systems. Excellent. Could you put that up, please? If you, if you're there, what the, the things that we talked about, five areas. Okay, we use an analogy of the human body with different systems and how for the body to be healthy. Okay, go ahead. You wanted to say something, Veronica? No, no, it'll be great. It'll be great if you say. Go ahead, go ahead. Yesterday, we start off by talking about the importance of the organs in the body and that if all the organs have to work together in order to have a healthy body, and, and then we broke out into what makes a healthy body, the body of Christ, just like how we need order all of our organisms and our body to work together in unity. We need a healthy body, and then we broke down. Okay, great. Using the body as our analogy, we said you got different organs, and then you got different systems, and certain organs belong to a particular system. So in the cardiovascular system, we have, I know the heart. What else do we have? Cardiovascular system. What else do we have? The arteries, the veins, capillaries. Yeah, so those are, those are the main organs. All right. In the uh, nervous system, the nerves, is the brain part of that? The brain is part of that? The spine is part of it. Okay, so the point is every system has certain organs that really make up that system. But all of the systems then work together. So as the Baba says, the ear can't say, I don't have any need of the eye, and the eye can't, okay, each part is important. But, but not everybody is an eye, not everybody is an ear. And even so in the body of Christ, we have identified using um, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. Rick Warren was the one that really brought this, brought this up, up first uh, in the way that he did it. Well, certainly it wasn't the first, but in the way he did it. And we looked at that, and we saw that in order to have a healthy church, we didn't just want to grow, because all growth is not good growth. There are things we can do to really have a lot of entertainment and excitement on Sunday morning that could get a lot of people here. But just having numbers is not necessarily good growth, especially when it comes to the church, right? Because you, you want to see people's lives being transformed into the image of Christ. So we don't just want 
So we want healthy growth. So we identified from Acts chapter 2 five things that were present in the early church that, like these very systems in the physical body, need to be present for a church to be healthy and functioning well. Not just present, but healthy, functioning well. So Rick Ward has worship. And I added in this session. But the idea here is for a church to be healthy, for us to be healthy here at Harvest, we need to have a church where our members are communing with God. They're talking to God. Amen. Worshiping, praying, interceding. That is so critical. If that is missing, then something vital to the health of the body is missing. So worship and intercession. And then teaching the word and discipling people so that, they, that they're growing in the understanding of the Word of God, both in terms of knowing it and doing it, right? Teaching and discipleship needs to be present. Evangelism, that is, taking this gospel to those who do not know him so that people are being saved and being added to the church. When we speak of evangelism, generally here we're talking about local outreaches, the things that we do here. Missions we think of being beyond our Jerusalem. Okay, and so we at Harvest, we have an evangelistic team. We definitely invest a lot in missions. But are we really, as a church, members, are we really, really on a daily basis practicing evangelism in a way that we can say, you know what, we are really healthy in that area? Uh, that's a question we need to ask. And then service and support has to do with people not just coming to church, and receiving, but our members understanding that they have gifts, natural gifts, spiritual gifts, that they are supposed to be using in love in order to build up and serve and minister to the needs of one another. Are we using those gifts intentionally? Can we say a great majority of our members are actually practicing this? They see themselves as, you know what, I may not be a preacher. I can't teach maybe like Bishop Johnson or I can't sing like, like QJ. But hey, I can, I can, I know how to cook. And I know how to, you know, make people feel good. Or I know how to, how to smile and greet people. Whatever it is, I got these gifts. And I'm not just going to sit on them, spiritual gifts, and then in addition, I've acquired some natural abilities as a result of schooling, education, experience, that, that those abilities are valuable. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that to this body, and I'm going to use it to build up Christ's body. Okay, that's service and support. When that is really happening, you, you have one of the key elements for a healthy church. And then the idea of fellowship and hospitality. In other words, we're really developing relationships. We're becoming friends. We're having fun. We're eating. We're laughing. We're making jokes and all these kinds of things. But we're there to support one another in time of celebration. We celebrate with one another in time of sorrow. We weep with each other. That kind of fellowship um, relationships that are supportive, uh, that needs to be present. All right. So what we did last night, we looked at these five areas and we say, okay, let's evaluate Okay, you go to the doctor once a year, hopefully, and we said to you men, make sure you go to your, do your physical, okay? And, and that's important. Uh, so we said, now let's use that analogy. You go to your doctor, he examines you. Let's put harvest only on the, on the, on the, on the uh, 
whatever you call the bed, whatever you call the, the, the examining table, that's it. Let's put harvest and let's be objective. You, we, we, are, we will be the doctors and, and let's just look, okay? Are we dying because of a neglect in one area? Or are we doing pretty well, but hey, there's some areas of potential weakness and problems that we need to strengthen, okay? Do we need to perform surgery because certain things need to come out? Because if they remain there, it will cause great harm and damage. How do you, when should we schedule the surgery? How should the surgery be executed? So basically, that was the, the mindset that we brought to the task of, of making it better. Okay? We, 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 we're, in, we're in a culture of what? Continuous improvement. And so how do we now own this and make it better? Now, one of the things I said, you can't say bishop is supposed to do that. Okay? We together, we, it's, it's ours, right? It's the Father's and it's ours. So any problem we see there, we own it. Not the pastors, not bishop, we. Okay, we own it. All right? And then we need to see, okay, how can we make it better? Okay, if we come to this with that attitude, then we can be a powerful team. We can experience the unity of the Spirit, and God can work through us to do some awesome things. Right? So we went through that, and we identified areas of strength and areas of weakness. Obviously, everybody doesn't have the same opinion, but it was enough for us to know we need to work on certain things. Now, just like we identified in the um, body, there are certain organs that belong to the cardiovascular system, certain organs that belong to the respiratory system, etc., etc. In the body, some of you primarily are connected to some of you are connected to the worship and intercession. I mean, that's, that's, that's the area that you really, really function in. It doesn't mean you can totally ignore the other areas because the body must work together, right? So every system, every organ, we cooperate and support, but the heart is really, really, really focused on making sure it keeps pumping because if it stops pumping, we're in trouble. Correct? So just like you got certain organs that focus on certain areas, I believe... That's how the body of Christ, as a group, as a body, as a local church, is supposed to function. Each of us is to support one another, but, but each of us has definitely one, at least one area, and maybe some of us can operate in more than one. It's not a perfect illustration as, as a body, but there are areas that you really, really are responsible for. Hmm? So how many of you believe of the five years you really, in terms of your primary function as an organ in this body, you're connected to prayer, I mean the worship and intercession? Please stand. The people who feel, you know what, I, I do a lot of things, but worship and intercession, that's, that's the area that I feel as an organ in this body. I've been placed primarily to make sure that this area is healthy. Remember now, there's some other areas. Now, I'm not saying you don't like worship and intercession. I'm saying, I'm saying this is an area that you feel particularly called to or gifted in. All right? Okay, so hear me now. All of you who are standing, listen to me. The rest of us definitely have to pray and intercede and worship. And part of your job is to help us do a better job 
at worship and intercession. Because none of us would say we are at 10. We, nobody said we are, as a church, we are at 10. We didn't, you know, I think we rated ourselves somewhere between 8, around 8 or something, right? So there's certainly room for improvement. But guess what? This is your area. You need to own it. And you need to be saying, now how can we help our church become stronger in the area of worship and intercession? Doesn't mean you alone will do the worship and the interceding. You certainly have to be an example. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't help, help us to grow unless you are modeling what you want us to become. You follow me? You can't stay home when it's time for prayer and teach us to pray. You can't stay home when it's time for worship and teach the rest of us how important worship is. You can't just talk it. You got to model it. We got to see it. The word became flesh. Your job is to become flesh. And don't just be satisfied with the fact that you are worshiping and you are in the seat. Part of your responsibility is to make sure that this system is functioning healthily throughout the body. You follow? Say, Lord, we make it ours. By your grace, we'll make it better. Okay, please be seated. All right? Now some of you now see what we're going to do. I'm, I got a feeling some of you are going to sit down now when we call this. <laughs> are you ready? If you feel that your particular gifting, okay, the area that you really feel that in this body, and again, maybe you might function differently somewhere else, but we're talking about here. In this body, you believe that teaching and discipleship is your strength. And that's where you probably could make the greatest difference uh, in helping our body, the church, become healthy. Teaching and discipleship, would you please stand? Okay. You know, the prayer, the prayer and intercession ministry, I think, is a little bit more organized. In the sense that you got leaders and you, you know, all that stuff. I don't think when it comes to teaching and discipleship, we are as organized as we need to be. But all of you who are standing, okay, are you teaching right now in the church? Everybody who's standing is teaching? Okay, if you're standing and you're not teaching, uh, Okay, okay. By discipleship, we mean what? You're working with someone. You're teaching, not public, you're not teaching a group, but you're teaching an individual. No, that's fine. Teaching, you don't have to be a class. Okay, but you're working, and that's not to be adults. You can be teaching children. You can be teaching youth, okay? But all of you who are standing, and hopefully there are a lot more people because we have the care group system, and everybody who's leading a care group ought to be to understand that teaching and discipleship is a primary function of those groups, right? All right. But the point again, 
you in a greater way need to take ownership of this system in our church and make sure that if this system is weak, you're going to do whatever you can to strengthen it. All right? As an individual, how are you going to get more involved? And how can we do a better job? One of the problems we heard last night was that a lot of our folks are not participating in the, in the discipleship and training opportunities we have here at Harvest. Correct? Since we know that is a weakness, and you know that that is the area that you are particularly called to, you should take responsibility for making sure more than anybody else, how can we increase the number of people who are participating and taking advantage of the teaching and discipleship ministries in this church? You shouldn't sit down and say, well, I'm just, okay, I'm working with, my, with one person. I'm teaching this class. Yeah, do that. But there's a whole system that needs to be operating at its best for the church to be healthy. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? Take ownership of it. If you got some ways to help us better organize ourselves so that the problem that may be hindering or the things that we need to do regarding getting more people to participate, please get together, come up with a plan, communicate with us, show us how we can do it better, but take ownership of this. Don't be satisfied with the fact that we got Maybe 1,500 people who attend this church and only 100 participate in the, the teaching and discipleship programs we have here. It's the same people. Every time we, we, we announce another training program, it tends to be the same people taking it back. Don't be satisfied with that. And don't leave it to Bishop Johnson or the pastors. You are in this body. That's your area. Make sure it's healthy. Got it? The Lord... We make it ours. By your grace, we'll make it better. Thank you. Okay, evangelism and missions. Dr. Patricia Stan has stood up for all. <laughs> Please stand, evangelism and missions. Okay, don't have a lot of people. Evangelism mission. Now, for me, that's a problem. And you know why it's a problem? Evangelism and missions. You feel that's, if that's not your number one, it's, number, it's your number two. But you feel very strongly about this area. Evangelism and missions. You feel very strongly about this. You know why there's a problem for me? Because we are harvest intercontinental and we are harvesters. And so something we got more work to do in this area. Because more of, of us as harvesters should be carrying, I guess, a burden, if I may use that word, be highly motivated in the area of evangelism and mission. So you guys have a lot of work to do. Because this, as, as, as the doctor examining the patient, my goodness, this is an emergency. We got to take care of it. You got to get on the track and start running. You got to cut off that, cut out that salt right away. You see what I'm saying? Please, y'all look at each other right now. Look at each other. Write names down. After this, after this, or when we have a break, y'all talk to one another. Okay? Because this is a big area. Thank you.
And I guess this is going to be a little bit difficult. Um, service. Yeah, yeah, we know what that is, but I don't know how you're going to identify. I'm going to jump over that. Okay? Fellowship and hospitality. I guess we've got to define what we mean, right? You know, some people, there, there, is, there is, how do you define it? Yeah, when it's time to eat, we all show up. But I guess let's define it more as caring. Let's maybe caring, you know. Some people, they just, how do you, can you, a hospital? Hospitable. Maybe hospitals are good. Maybe not here, but I think maybe the idea of where you're a nurse. Okay, maybe, 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 maybe that's a better way to, to capture at least what I'm thinking. Where I'm a nurse, and I know there are a lot of people who are, got different kinds of problems. And as a nurse, I'm really there to kind of nurture them, okay? Oh, the other day we were at the hospital. We went to see Aaliyah before she passed. Forgive me. I, I'm mixing everybody up now. Um, Elder Wright, okay? And... Pastor Chris and I were waiting in the hallway and heard a man a few doors down yelling, somebody help, help us a patient. And we just saw the nurses walking in the hallway like they didn't hear anything. I mean, nobody, nobody said, let me go and see. They just kept on. They passed by the door like nothing. Huh? I, 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 I hear what he's saying. I'm coming to that. Okay? But I mean, they didn't then. One of them opened her mouth and that was a Liberian woman. You could tell straight she was Liberian. Why well, you better mess so that for me? And just went on. <laughs> I said, that's a Liberian woman because the accent came high. And she basically was yelling at the man. And you know, some of us are like that. People are yelling. People are in pain. And you know, Timmy said, well, they, they know he's like that. In other words, they got so used to it that it no, longer, it no longer bothered them that he had a problem. And that's a danger. That's a danger, right? In the church, we can become hardened. But I just another one. That those harvest people, that are church people, are Christian people. And we can become so conditioned that we're hardened now and our hearts are no longer moved by compassion. When we see the needs that people have. Or sometimes, you know, it's, it, it's draining sometimes the amount of energy it takes to minister to people. And Jesus told us to serve the Good Samaritan in order to illustrate how important it is that we never get to the place where we stop caring for people. Okay. So I guess that fellowship hospitality piece, maybe that's a better way to describe at least what I have. And there's some people who they just, they care. They don't have a necessary title, but they're, you know, they, you know you're not going to see them in the praise and worship team, but they're the ones who 
You know they're going to be watching. They're going to be sensitive to that person who's hurting, that person who's, who needs some attention. And they're going to be there to give that attention on the front line. I care. So if you feel, you may do it, you feel that's you, that, you know, you're, you're, you're that ministry of compassion, you know, where you want to help people who are suffering and people who are in need, whether they're in the body or outside, would you please stand? Feel that's, for you, that's, it can be in the church or outside the church, but that is, I mean, when you hear people, you see people, you want to do something. Wow, that's good. That's good. Let me encourage you, okay? Cultivate that even more. Cultivate, because to be honest with you, that is so, 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 so critical. And that's really, really where you get to live the Christian life and people get to really see Jesus. All of the other things we do, they're important. But where the world and where people really begin to experience the resurrected Lord is when we are engaged in the act of truly caring, being concerned, crying with those who cry, celebrating with those who celebrate, and going out of our way at times just to help someone who is hurting or who is in need. You who are standing own this. You hear me? Make it yours. Be intentional. Every time you come here on, on, on Sunday, please, don't just come and right after church, go home, go in your car and go. Because we will never be known for that unless we're actually doing it. The, the desire should be that every member of Harvest is going to be doing it. But you got to now by example. You got to model it. Live it. Encourage others to do the same. Give yourself no rest until all of us as, as, as harvesters really are showing compassion, love, and care for people as individuals in the church as well as outside. Okay? What are you going to do? Own it. And then let God use you to make this a greater reality here at Harvest. Amen. Now, on yesterday, we got some high marks. You know, certainly there are times when we are really at our best. You know, funerals when, and these kinds of things, when people are hurting, we're really at our best. And we got, we got a tent for that. But now let's, let's work. We can still make it better. In Jesus' name. So everybody understand? Again, please let this analogy help you. You're an organ. You're an individual, but you're part of a system. And for this body, this church, to be healthy and therefore experience healthy growth, we, all of those systems need to be functioning. If you feel particularly gifted, called to one of those areas, you need to own it, and then you need to work, work with one another to help our church become stronger, healthier in those areas. Do you accept the responsibility? Everybody stand. I'm going to pray for you. In fact, instead of me praying for you, just hold hands around the table and pray for yourselves. That'd be even better. Just pray for yourselves.
In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord who has called you is able to perform it in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. All right, so this is, this is how, let me share with you again something from Rick Warren. He says, the church will grow warmer. So first, the church will grow stronger through worship. Stronger through worship. Deeper, deeper through discipleship. Larger through evangelism and missions. Broader through ministry or service and support you using your gifts. And then five, uh, it'll grow warmer through fellowship. So stronger through worship. Deeper through teaching. Larger through missions. Warmer through fellowship and broader through using our gifts and service. All right? So if you're in the worship and intercession ministry, your job is to make us stronger. If you're in the teaching and discipleship area, your job is to make us deeper. If you're in evangelism and missions, your job is to make us larger. If you're in service and support, your job is to make us broader. And if you're in fellowship and hospitality, your job is to make us all right? Please take your assignments. Uh, and so next time when you come back to see the doctor, we want to see that there's tremendous growth and improvement in each of those areas. Okay? In Jesus' name. Now, somebody here may have the gift of administration. And you know how to take what I've talked about here and say, Bishop, this is how it needs to be organized now. So that what we talked about here can actually be implemented and there's a way to see how well we're doing. If you have to get to the administration, already you know how we can set this up so that it's going to flow and we can see if we're really doing this, get feedbacks, etc. please share your idea with me so that we can go from, from just a conversation to where we really have built in a system that ensures that we're doing it and there's accountability. Okay, where we get feedback. Any questions, comments about what we've done so far? Go ahead. Uh -huh. Yeah, I know we're talking about uh, continuous improvement here, Bishop. Uh, one thing that we can also start implementing is to uh, start getting within um, the departments, how we call them, uh, to get regular feedback on how we're doing, kind of retrospectives. This will help improve, like identify areas where we have weaknesses and then target those areas so we can uh, make like action items and yeah. work on Yeah, them. I guess that's what I'm driving at too, if we can have ways to measure our progress in these areas because then you can give concrete feedback. So that's why I said you got to give the administration, you said, Bishop, this is how you can organize this so that you can get measurable feedback that you can share with the group. If you, if you have that already, you know how to do it, let me know. All right, so now, again, with these same concepts in mind, uh, 
A word you heard me use was balance, right? And, you know, there's a proper balance. It doesn't mean necessarily mean everything is, 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 is you're going to share resources necessarily equally among everything. Or, or if you've got 100 persons in the worship and intercession, you've got to have 100 persons in each ministry, no? But in the body, there's a balance, a proper balance that's healthy between the systems. And so there needs to be a balance in a local church. Now, here's the truth, though. Generally, a local church will reflect the gifting of the main interest, energy, ability of the pastor. If you're not careful, if you had to look at me, what do you believe is my, my primary gift? Teaching, right? All right. So please put the next slide up. Okay. There are five kinds of what? Now, what, what, what we want to be, we want to be balanced. Now, if you're not careful in a church like ours, because the pastor is primarily a teacher, you'll find that if you were to describe our church, which one of these do you it has soul winning, experiencing God, family reunion, classroom, and social conscience? Five different types of churches. Which one would you call harvest? No, no. If you, if you had, if, if, if they told you describe harvest, which one do you think? Again, I'm not forcing you to. Okay, okay, hold on. How many of you say, oh, if, oh harvest is a soul winning church? Okay, so a few people, not a lot. Harvest is an experiencing God church. Harvest is a family reunion. That's the fellowship, spending time together, eating, caring for one another. Family reunion. You know what happens in family reunion? We love to spend time together, fellowship, eat. And... Classroom church. Social conscience. These are people who, again, you're out there in the community. You saw us feeding, feeding people, and we're out in the community addressing the needs of those, you know, ministering and giving, dealing with injustices. We, we attend these rallies and we raise social conscience. Okay, so I, I didn't get a sense. Okay, hear me. Okay. Now, it's true, I believe, okay, we have a little bit of all of this. But if you were to ask me, I would call this a classroom church. Primarily. Not... It, and and the, the reason I say that is because the fact is I'm a teacher and we got a lot of, yeah, I mean, we got a course for everything. Right? Take this class. Take this class. Join this class. Take, so we got a lot of teaching and it's good. I mean, I don't, personally, I don't think anything is more important for growth than, than the word, right? So you got to ground people in the word. But the issue is are we over, are we so much into teaching and neglecting some of these other areas to the point where you can say, ah, there's an imbalance there and we need, to, we, need to, we need to do something to bring about more balance, okay? So many of you said experiencing God. Those of you who said experiencing God, tell me what you meant by that. Yes. Please use the mic, uh-huh. 
Praise the Lord. So for me personally, why I said that, and for a lot of people that have invited into the church, it makes the word of God so real. So you, you come here, you get transformed. It's like every Sunday you come here, you're learning something new. Yes, it's a classroom church, but again, you don't live here the same way as you came. So you're getting the word, you're getting transformed, you're experiencing God in a different way. Whether in the marketplace. But notice you're connecting the experience of teaching. Right? Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so <laughs> yeah. Me is everything because being in the church for a while, I would say I will point to everything. I can find myself in everything because if you don't identify in one of the things, it's either you don't open up, but it's not that you wasn't offered, you know, for me. Okay. Go ahead. I wanted to share about experiencing God. Well, I see a little bit of everything, but I want to talk about experiencing God. I just want to give an example. There was a day I came in the service and didn't have the intention to sit where I was sitting at. I don't know what got me to sit where I was sitting. And I had something in my mind that I was about to do. And I already made up my mind, already started sending some messages to people regarding what I was supposed to do. And then Bishop, you were preaching and all of a sudden, you change your message as if <laughs> there was like a little, I don't know, something poke you. And then you started talking exactly about what I was about to do. And I jumped in my chair like, okay, what is going on with this man? Like, who told, did you check my messages? And... Uh, Bishop, you were standing there pointing at me like your finger was like just pointing. <laughs> and I was like, like, really? <laughs> that is what I call experiencing God. That I saw it many times and yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad that we can identify all of these elements in our church. Doesn't mean we don't need to work more to see more of some of this. For instance, if you notice, on Sunday mornings now, we are giving time for people to give a prophecy. Yeah. Right? That's an intentional effort to be more of an experiencing God, to introduce experiencing God into our services even more. Amen. Thank God, God is in the preaching and teaching. Amen? It's not just dry lecture. When we come, we pray, we trust the Holy Spirit, and a lot of people experience God while the word is being preached. That's exactly what should be happening. It's not just information. The Holy Spirit quickens the word and people experience God in the word. All right? I'm coming. Uh, but again, we're being intent. On Friday, notice you changed, we changed our prayers, yeah. prayer format on Friday nights for those of you who come to pray. <clears throat> <laughs> <clears throat> All of you who called to that era, you got some work to do, okay? <laughs> but, but we changed it because before we would come, and I, it was, we're talking to God, we're talking to God, we're talking to God. I said, wait a minute, is this the way the prayer meeting should be? Is this the New Testament pattern? Uh, and so we said, you know what, let's be intentional. Let's create more opportunity for people 
to be prompted by, led by the Spirit, so we can have spiritual songs, psalms, hymns, all of the things that the Spirit of God can give in the moment. Because we, we want there to be an interaction between God and us that we are experiencing. Okay? So those were steps that we took intentionally to encourage experiencing God. I see Pastor Obi, the healing class. Having people come and pray for people, and you begin to receive words of knowledge, gifts of the Spirit. Again, very intentional, wanting to make sure that we're experiencing God, not just through the Word, but in so many other ways, we're experiencing God. The worship today, I don't know whether you felt what, you know, but I mean, two songs, right? And it, it was like it's a filler. Oh, we just doing the 10 minutes as filler. But man, <laughs> God's presence was manifested. I, when I got, I mean, I, I really didn't want to stop, okay? I experienced God in that worship. And so we want our church to be that way more, where whether it's in the word or whether it's in worship or whether it's by prayer, there's an interaction taking place. It's not one way. Praise is going up, but man, God, by the Spirit, is ministering, gifts are happening, all that stuff. That's experiencing God. Now, some churches, you go, you got a lot of that and no word. Yeah. All they want, oh, prophecy, they come in and come for the prophecies. And that's the focus, but no word. That's not healthy. Okay, so what we want is a balance, but I think the word has to be the foundation upon which everything else happens. Did you want to say something, Veronica? Oh, okay. It's on, I think. What's happening with our mics? Either choose the ones that are working and remove the ones that are not. Hello? Okay. The reason why I said experiencing God, I mean, yes, we have an amazing teacher, right? But our pastors, too, are, I mean, one of the most powerful stuff that I heard this year in one of our testimonies when one sis Leslie and her husband gave the testimony and they went to Brother Nesta and Brother Nesta told them, go, you have authority in your home. I mean, we get the word, but I, what I love about our church, because there's so many other churches that make you rely on the pastor, but there's every time we come here, Bishop, you're pointing us, go to Jesus. You're pointing us to Jesus, and that's the same for all of our associates, Pastor. Because what a young believer he was. He was like, what do you mean? I've only been saved for one year, and you want me to go and deal and Brother Nestor in a calm way. We could have handled that situation differently, but our church is a church that we are experiencing God's word. And I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. I think it's really good we come here, we go over the areas that we need to be strengthened on, but we also need to recognize the good things that we are doing. Some of the amazing changes, Bishop, that I've seen in your leadership that you recognize for the longest time, our young children were leaving, going to college, but they weren't really connected. And you made a change. It's like, you know what? We're going to give you a platform right now for you to grow. And for so when you go, you can be able to come back. I've seen Pastor P work with the men. I mean, yes, there's still more work to be 
bumming. Man, look around. Our brothers that was not really involved, they are on fire and they're leading prayer and there's more of them. And it's not even the older men, it's the younger men, okay? And then we think about the... The discipleship program, when you took the time, you said, you know what? Yes, I'm teaching, but I think we need to go one-on-one. -on -one. And I've learned this powerful truth as being a discipleship leader, leading somebody that as I am learning, as I am learning to teach, right? I'm learning to myself. I'm becoming more, more th things that I thought I knew. You know, I'm growing. I'm becoming more passionate about the Word of God. So we have amazing systems in place that we really need to take some time, you know, and just, you know, say yes. Yes, we always, if you are an organism, right, a living organism, you need to constantly be improving. You need to constantly be growing. And I think that's why, yes, this meeting, but we are an amazing church and we need to also recognize what we are doing. Okay. Amen. No, we, we, we need to hear that. Okay. Because sometimes we only hear what we're not doing. Okay. And that doesn't motivate you. Okay. So thank you. That's a gift of encouragement. Thank you for encouraging us. The, the pastors, all of us, thank you for encouraging us. Appreciate that. In Jesus' name. Yes, yeah, I mean, she, she said it all. Uh, experiencing God is not just through the teaching of Bishop. Again, Bishop, we all agree that you're an excellent teacher, and that's what is building us up. But then, you know, experiencing God here, you know, people are just discovering their gifts, and we see that today, even on prayer line, we have people who could not lead prayer. They are leading prayer, and people are giving words of knowledge, experiencing God, like you said, through healing. But recently, one of my students that came here last year, she saw me and she hugged. She said, I've been looking for you because you know what? The experience I had when I visited your church, she used Christine Chate and Tammy Amoji Oga were like two people that, I mean, we just welcomed her and they made her feel so, uh, so loved and that she looks forward to coming back. But again, I, I just want to emphasize on the point, the experiencing God that it's not limited to here as we experience God through the powerful teaching, the classroom, we take it outside of this of harvest. And people are experiencing God through us in the marketplace, both locally and intercontinentally. So that's the soul winning part. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> because of time, ah. okay, that's one thing and then we gotta shift. <laughs> Sorry, Daddy. I just wanted to, to go for Social Conscience Church I will give just an example. Uh, in my apartment building, there is a guy that reminds me so much of Mali. I remember that um, when I came in Beto, when I you reminded you who the Mali, you know, the one that the homeless that you are coming to even oh, you are Marty, going to. Oh, Marty. Okay. Yeah, Marty was a was a homeless, <clears throat> excuse me, Caucasian gentleman who lived in Silver Spring in the nineties. And one day during our prayer, we used to have the all-night prayer, real all-night prayer then. <laughs> you stayed until 6 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> and while we were doing that, Marty walked into the sanctuary because he was an alcoholic on the street, homeless. Came in, sat in the back. He had a cane. And he was in the back, and we were praying. I just felt prompted to call him. And he came up front with his cane. We prayed for him, and God instantly healed him. And, of course, then Marty had to go back into the streets. And at that point, I said, no, no, we can't do that. I mean, I remember finding Marty, 
took Marty off the streets, put him in a hotel, and every morning I would go find Marty, we'd have breakfast. <laughs> Marty literally, I mean, you, you saw him one day and you saw what he became, you wouldn't think it's the same person. Uh, I, was, I had to travel to Tulsa for Christmas, and I took Marty, because I wanted to make sure he didn't, his friends didn't get him. Because, you know, I was here every day with him. I was encouraging, but I was going to be going to Tulsa. So I took Marty. I will let you tell your story, but I just want to share. I took Marty to a hotel in Bellsville. Yeah. And kept me. I said, Marty, now you stay here and make sure he had money for food, all that stuff. But when I came back, Marty's friends had found him. And he had, but he couldn't resist that temptation. And he, he got back with them again. We tried again, but then eventually he died. On but there is something. Before he passed away, I think the, the last time before he passed away, he came to church. He was dancing with all of us and everything. And when you came to visit um, me at the residence where my, my father was a, a military attaché, Bishop came with Mali. I was like, why come this normal man is coming with this homeless man? You know, but it's not because he smelled drink or whatsoever that it is. That brought him everywhere he went. So I saw in the apartment building, in our apartment building, um, my Mali name is Frank. So I saw Frank, and because of what you did that, it's giving me the strength to approach Frank. I'm going small, small. I can't wait for the time that I'll put Frank in my Lexus and bring him to church. <laughs> you know, because, yeah. Because, yeah. Because as of right now, yeah. Yeah. As of, as of right now, I'm like, did Frank, did Frank eat? You know, even though that I have money that I don't have money, I'm like, okay, how much is the chicken cost in Costco? $5. Frank needs to eat. Frank need to do that. It's like a child that the Lord brought, give me. So I learned it where? From you. That's social conscience, church. Wow. That was all long. You see how a little thing can make a difference? So something Dina saw 30 years ago is impacting the decision she's making today. You never know who's watching you. So make sure that the example you're setting is worth emulating. Some young person is looking at you. Dina was very young then. Amen. <laughs> All right, we do have to shift. But, but the goal then is to be balanced. So we want the, our church to grow in all of these areas. Thank God all of these things are present to some degree. But we want to grow in all of these areas, especially in the soul winning uh, aspect. Okay, we really need to grow there. Classroom will continue to grow, but I think we, we're pretty... We're, if you do nothing, we're going to continue growing because that's just our, my, my natural calling. But let's be intentional. We've got to really make sure these other areas we're growing. Again, that's where you come in. You own and you make better. Okay? So if we come next year and it's still classroom, I would have done my work well. You would have failed. If you allow it to continue to be just classroom that I'm doing my work, and you're not. Got it? That's the spirit, right? We work together. All right. Do you need a break? Okay, stand up and talk to a few people. Just tell them, man, I'm enjoying this. I'm learning. I'm coming.